Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Hello again. I hope you're well. Last week, I told you that we're about to get to the trippiest part of the Iliad. So let's dive in. And for those of you who know what's coming next, that was an unintentional pun until I realized what I was about to say. And then I knew I had to leave it in. When we last left our heroes, we were in the middle of the Aristia of Achilles, and Book 21 picks up right where we left off. Achilles chases the Trojans to the crossing place of Xanthos, the river also known as Scamander, because nothing can have just one name. Xanthos' dad is Zeus, um, and so as you can imagine, once the Trojan army is backed up against the river, they have two choices try to get back to Troy, or try to cross the river. And the ranks split. Those who try to get back to Troy get trapped in a mist sent by Hera, and those who try to cross the river, well, it's not like everyone can cross at once, so when everyone does try to cross at once, it goes about as well as you would think, which makes that group very easy pickings for Achilles. He kills an unnamed number, um, which is just so useful when trying to count body counts. Um, And then he takes a dozen young men as captives. That 12 he hands over to his companions so he can get back to killing. Um, Then he sees Lacaon, another of Priam's sons. Now they've met before. Achilles had captured Lacaon sometime before. It's not said specifically how long ago. Achilles sold him into slavery, uh, but Lacan managed to get ransomed from from that state. And in a change from our typical uh, Greek after the ninth on the tenth trope that we see a lot of, Lacan enjoyed being with his family and sitting in the garden for 11 days and then on the twelfth returned to battle. And 12 is another number we see a lot. In, in mythology, um, those of you who come from a Christian background, 12 apostles, right? Um, 12 tribes of Israel, Judeo-Christian, um, the historic religions, that that we see that number a lot. Anyway, um, so not not out of place, but not the typical 10 that we see, see in, in Greek a lot. Um, so uh, guess which day it is. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's day 12 for, for Lacan. He's been home for all of 12 days now. Um, Achilles remembers Lacaon, and Lacaon, no surprise, remembers Achilles. Uh, Lacaon grabs Achilles by the knee and begs for his life, and he claims a guest friendship relationship from their previous encounter, um, which would be something that Achilles must honor. Guest friendships are protected by Zeus. Um, and and then he points out that he's only Hector's half brother, um, not his full brother. So you know he's not really worth killing because it's not you know um, Achilles lets him speak and then responds by saying that he doesn't care because Patroclus is dead and then he kills Lacon. Now it's getting pretty gory by by the river there, and Xanthos is not amused. So he starts plotting. But Achilles keeps killing. Uh, the next man he encounters is named Asteropaios. Um, and, and Asteropaios happens to be the grandson of another river, Axios. And uh, as usual, they talk and then they fight. Um, and this, this section is a metaphorical bridge over the river Xanthos. Um, 
or, or maybe it would be better to say a metaphorical bridge to the river Xanthos, uh, because again, we've got got the grandson of a river that's now fighting with Achilles. Um, no surprise, Achilles kills Asteropios. Um, then he taunts him, saying that the son of a goddess, uh, Achilles, is is much more powerful than the grandson of, of a river god. Um, I mean, there is a river right there, and it's, I mean, it's not like the river is going to rise up to save him. And then Achilles kills seven more people. It, his Aristide is very long. Oh, the river? Yeah, it totally rises up to stop Achilles. Xanthos takes human form, and, and at first he tries to reason with him. Look, Xanthos says, I get it. You want to kill all the Trojans, and that's cool, but could you, I, I don't know, do it somewhere else? You're totally blocking my flow with their bodies. Achilles agrees, sort of. I mean, he says that he'll do it Xanthos, whom he calls Scamandros, because, again, with the nicknames, um, what what Xanthos asks, but he doesn't really stop. So Xanthos reminds Apollo that he's supposed to be on the Trojan side, and Achilles does the only logical thing in response to that. He jumps into the river and, and starts fighting it. Literally. <laughs> it is trippy. Xanthos is flinging the bodies of the dead Trojans back onto the bank and Achilles is trying to stop him and Xanthos sends giant waves at Achilles and he was serious when he complained about the numbers of bodies blocking his flow because it's not just water in those waves. Ew. Achilles cries out to the gods to help him because being killed by the river wouldn't be an honorable death. Poseidon and Athena tell him that he will still get the glory of killing Hector and his own fated honorable death. Now, the fight between Xanthos and Achilles finally ends when Hera sends Hephaestus, god of fire, to aid Achilles. And the fight shifts from man versus nature to water versus fire. Xanthos begins to boil from the heat of Hephaestus's fire, and Xanthos finally relents. This transitions to another section in which the gods fight amongst themselves. Ares goes after Athena, who quickly proves that her aspect of war, of strategic war, is better than his, of just go and kill everybody and don't think about the best way to do it. Um, Aphrodite runs and hides behind Ares because it's not like this is all her fault anyway. Uh, Poseidon taunts Apollo, who claims that he's too good for this. And in true twin sister form, Artemis says that Apollo isn't worthy of his bow. Hera hears this and boxes Artemis's ears, because, of course, she doesn't want, Hera doesn't want Apollo getting back in the fight on the Trojan side. Um, and so then Artemis goes to Zeus and, and, and cries at his feet and tells him that Hera hurt her. I mean, in boxing, one's ears does hurt, but compared to all of the other stuff that's going on, it's a pretty minor infraction. Um, honestly, with all of the bloodshed in the previous sections of Book 21, the fight between the gods feels incredibly petty. But at, at least no one gets hurt, at least not seriously. The scene shifts again from where Zeus watches from on high to the walls of Troy, where Priam watches from on high. Uh, he sees that, that things aren't going well and calls for the gates to be opened. This will allow the Trojan army to return to the safety of the city where they can rest and regroup. It's a risky move. 
if the Trojans can get in, so can the Greeks. But remember that Troy has Apollo on its side. He fills Agenor, another prince of Troy, with courage, and Agenor attacks Achilles. He, of course, isn't successful, but this provides enough of a distraction for the Trojan force to flee. And once the Trojans are safe, Apollo shrouds Agenor in mist and helps him escape too. And that's where Book 21 ends. There is, as you've probably already gathered, one primary theme within Book 21, man versus nature. We see this quite literally when Achilles starts fighting Xanthos. It shows us just how single-minded Achilles is by this point of his Aristia. He's going to kill every Trojan and anyone who gets in his way, even though there is no possible way he could succeed against a river. But in addition to the literal fight between a man and a river, we see how man and nature are at odds in the number of bodies piling up. These are not natural deaths, and the bodies are polluting the land and the water. Um, So even if Xanthos didn't literally rise up, we would still be able to see a conflict between the natural order of things in which a person dies from, from old age, um, or an, an illness and, and versus the, this violence caused by man. Um, and even if we don't want to look at what the fight between Achilles and, and Xanthos shows us, you know, how it's symbolic, it, it's still an amazing image. Achilles is, is fighting with waves. Um, it's a very Don Quixote tilting at windmills thing, except Don Quixote had the benefit of believing those windmills are giants. Um, Achilles knows he's fighting with waves. I I definitely remember the first time I read this section because I had to reread it to make sure I understood correctly. I'm like, wait, I'm sorry, he's fighting with waves? Yeah, no, totally, he's fighting with waves. It's just, it's such a turn from everything that has come before where, I, yeah, it's gory, but it's, it's something that is understandable from just a logistical viewpoint of, oh, okay, yeah, I see how the spear went through somebody's body that way. But <laughs> but to have it be, you know, a wave that he's fighting, it 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 is so different than than everything else we see in in the Iliad. I would love to hear your thoughts on this fight, that silly little spat between the gods, um, which, I mean, it's, it seriously is almost comic compared to the Aristia. Um, and then, of course, everything else that happens in book 21. There's stuff we didn't really we didn't really talk about in, in, in this last section. Um, the link to the blog, as always, is in the show notes. On Friday, we'll have a short episode um, on the one Homeric hymn to Ares. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.